Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. Today, we'll be going through one of my favorite sections of Scripture. So if you'll turn with me to Romans 8, verses 18 through 28, we'll get started. There's going to be some other verses that we go through, but those will be on the screens behind me. But let's read together, church. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation waits, or excuse me, for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That last verse is what I want to focus on this morning, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Or simply put, in all things, God works. For those of you that knew Julie Chester, you know this was her favorite verse. I never had the opportunity to get to meet her, but I've heard so many fantastic things. And when I was doing the research for this, Eric told me that this was her favorite verse, and it made me feel a connection with her, a connection that I know so many of you have today. It took me a long time to realize what this verse was actually saying, that no matter what situation we go through, God works. Whether it's good or bad, God still works. For the past four years, going on five, I've been an RA at ACU, And for those of you that don't know what an RA is, it stands for resident assistant. Essentially, I'm the guy that lives in a hall with a bunch of younger guys, and I'm there whenever they need something. If they need help studying for a test, I'm there for them. If their girlfriend just broke up to them, broke up with them, they can come running to my room, sobbing in tears. I've had that happen like three times. (laughs) But I'm also the guy that gets them in trouble whenever they do something wrong or they bring something into the building that they shouldn't have, I have to confiscate it. So essentially, I am both a counselor and a snitch. (laughs) But it's a great job. But it's definitely had its struggles. On March 31st, 2019, my world was rocked. 
That morning after church, my boss sent us a text saying, anyone that can come to the building, please come back. I've never had a moment in my life as an RA when we needed all hands on deck. Even my first year as an RA when we had a pipe burst in the ceiling and water was flooding an entire section, we only needed three or four of us to help with that situation. So I knew that there was something big that had happened. I was supposed to be spending the rest of the day with my girlfriend and I told her I had to go. I grabbed my keys, got in my car, and drove back to our building. When I got there, I was shocked. The whole building was surrounded by EMTs, by police, by fire trucks. I got out of my car and saw one of my other coworkers, Riley, running inside. And so he and I ran together into the lobby and we waited for further instructions. Eventually, a policewoman came in and asked us where this certain room was, and that's when it hit us. That's Chandler's room. Chandler was another one of the RAs that year. We took the policewoman up to where his room was on the third floor. We saw the rest of our staff sitting there with their backs against the walls and their faces in their hands. Eventually, one of, the other, one of my other coworkers, Garrick Martin, stood up, walked over to me and put his hands on my shoulders and asked me if I had heard what happened. I shakily said no, absolutely terrified of what he could possibly have to say to me. And he said this, Chandler took his life, he's gone. When people say that they've had the legs swept out from under them, I had no idea what that meant until that moment. All I could do was drop to my knees and start sobbing. Eventually, some other residents' live faculty members came upstairs and sat with us as we cried. Then they took us downstairs to our staff room where we sat for hours as the paramedics took Chandler's body out of the building. Eventually, I got up and left the room to call my dad because what else do you do when everything is falling apart? You call your dad. My dad was silent for a little while, no doubt trying to think about what he could say to me. And he said this, in all things, God works. It felt like the last thing that I wanted to hear in that moment, but now looking back at it, I can see where God was moving in that season of life. Now let me pause real quick. I don't tell you any of this story to tell you that suicide is okay or that in the end, everyone and everything will be okay because that's just not the truth. Every day I think about Chandler and I miss him. I would give almost anything to have him sitting there in the front row smiling at me or to see some of the dumb things that he did as an RA and believe me, there were many dumb things that he did. But he's not here. And I carry that pain with me even still. Highland has and will continue to help those who are struggling with suicidal thoughts. But I encourage you to talk to somebody. You can talk to me, you can talk to Eric, you can talk to any of our staff members or our elders, and we'll get you in contact with somebody that can help. I promise you this world is better with you in it. But this constant of struggle has permeated all of human existence. The Israelites suffered under so many ruling governments. They were enslaved. They, were, they had struggles. 
Now we only need to look back at Exodus to see that. Exodus 1 says this. So the Egyptians put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built Python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. You see, the Israelites had been shifted from government to government. It started with the Egyptians, then the Persians, the Assyrians, and the Babylonians, and then there were more to follow after that. And even after they were freed from the Egyptians, they had to wander through the wilderness for 40 years. And when they got to the promised land, they were so afraid by what they saw that they turned tail and ran back into the wilderness. They suffered in the Old Testament. And that theme of suffering continues to the New Testament. See, During that time, the Jews, they were under the rule of Rome. That was not at all a pretty situation. The Jews had to house Roman soldiers if they were asked to. Or if they were asked to, they had to go a mile carrying a Roman soldier's gear. In the church that Paul's talking to in Romans, it's a Roman church. They're poor Jews. They're on the underbelly of society. And Paul has credibility here too. In 2 Corinthians, when Paul is trying to defend his name against those that want to slander it, he says this. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I had been constantly on the move. I had been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, and in danger from false believers. When we think about Paul, we think about all the amazing things that he did to further the gospel. But he didn't have an easy life. He struggled. And I'm not at all envious of the things that he had to go through. And this theme of struggle is even present in our lives today. I'm sure you all remember the winter storm that blew through the south a few months ago and absolutely ravaged Texas. As an RA during that point in time, it was definitely not the easiest of situations. My building was able to keep power, but we had no drinkable water for about three days. The girls' hall across the street, they had a pipe burst and frigid cold water fell onto the floor and flooded that section of the building. And even now, Our struggles are still there. On a personal note, I've seen what disease can do to the human body and how that can affect a family. 
But in this life, we will have struggles. Jesus tells us that in John 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. This was the theme verse for Camp Highland. And just as it's a good reminder for the kids there, it's a good reminder for us today. But we don't trust God because everything is good in our lives because it's just not. We trust God because we know that he's present and he works in our lives. That verse in John doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And if you went to Camp Highland, you're thinking of something right now and you're probably laughing in your head and I am too. I know why we're laughing. You know why we're laughing, but nobody else knows why we're laughing and that makes it 10 times funnier. But God works in our lives. Going back to the Israelites in the Old Testament, they suffered, but after they were freed from the Egyptian rule, God went before them and opened up the Red Sea so that they could walk through on dry ground. What a blessing is that? And it continues on in Exodus 13, where it says this, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And he didn't stop there. God continued to work In Exodus 16, he goes on and says, The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. In the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person in your tent. They got as much as they needed. But a while back, my dad sent me this joke, and you can see it behind me. So it went good for the Israelites, but it definitely didn't go good for this guy. And if you don't think that this joke is church appropriate, please direct your spears and your arrows and your pitchforks to Eric, because he's the one that told me to use it. Please don't blame me. I am just the intern. (laughs) It's really encouraging to hear you guys laughing. (laughs) But God continued to work. In the New Testament, we can see God's greatest good with the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, we were saved from our sins. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God works in our lives. In the wake of Chandler's passing, it was not the easiest time, but 
Groups from other buildings, moms from the community, flocked to Edwards in droves. They brought food, they brought cards, and they ushered in the love of Christ. And I wholeheartedly believe that they were acting as vessels for God, bringing in the care that we so desperately needed in that moment. In my residence, flip the script on me. Usually it's the RA that's giving help, but in that moment, they made sure that I was okay. Each one of them came to my room at some point during that time to sit with me and talk with me and make sure that I was okay. And to double down on that, my amazing girlfriend, every day she was done with classes, she invited me over to her apartment just to make sure that I was okay. She would make me food to make sure that I was eating and taking care of myself. And that made our relationship so much stronger. So let's look back at Romans 8.28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, it says good, but what exactly is that good? We look at Romans 8 and we have a few different hints as to what that is. Here, Paul says a couple things. He says, our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage. Creation has been groaning, and we wait for it patiently. When we put all these things together, we can see that Paul's talking about the redemption that God has in store for us. During the Assyrian reign over Israel, the prophet Isaiah writes this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. And this is a prophetic image of what God has in store for us and also points us to Jesus. In this world, we will have, we will have trouble, but God still works. See, what Isaiah is talking about is when sin entered the world, it opened up a metaphorical Pandora's box of sin, of struggle, of disease, and pain. The tree was cut when sin entered the world, but God works in our lives. And that shoot that's sprouting from the tree is proof of that work. It gives us hope that in the end, God will redeem all things. And that's exactly what God has in store for us. After Chandler passed, it was so hard. It was hard to get up in the mornings. It was hard to do my homework. And I'm so thankful that my professors gave me grace on all the things that I had to do. But the group of guys that I went through that with, we developed a bond, a bond that I will never forget. This is a group of guys that got to see me at my lowest point, and I saw them at their lowest point. We're all together. And I know they're watching right now and they believe the same thing as me, that we would give almost anything to have Chandler back in our lives, but he's not here. That tree was cut, but God still works. And we see that in the shoot that's growing up. We see that in the people that, ushered, that were ushered in to help us through that time, the people that cared for us, 
That was God's good, a reminder of the redemption that God has in store for us. Verse 22 of Romans talks about how the world is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And like I joked about on Father's Day during the announcements, I'm not a dad yet, but I hope to be one someday. I haven't gotten to see the wonder that is childbirth, but I know a few things that is definitely not like how it is in the movies. It doesn't take a few minutes and then you can go run a marathon right afterwards. That's just not at all how it is. Labor takes hours of pain and struggle and suffering. But in the end, you're rewarded with a child that you can look at, hold, and care for, and you see the love of God in their eyes. That's exactly what Isaiah is talking about. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. God plans to redeem the world. We have all this pain and struggle, but in the end, God holds us and he looks at us and he redeems the world and we get to spend eternity with him. And I'll close with this. I'm sure you can tell that Romans 8.28 means quite a bit to me. It means so much to me that after I got here in Tennessee, my mom sent me this tie clip. And when I saw the tie clip, I cried. You see, my mom has had to deal with a disease called lupus for the majority of my life. I've seen her in pain, unable to care for me and my sister. I've seen her go through weeks in the hospital. I've seen her have to go through chemotherapy. But even still, she smiled because she knew that God was working for the good in her life. Now, I didn't cry when I saw this tie clip because I was reminded of the pain that we had to go through as a family. No, I cried. I cried because this is one of the shoots that Isaiah is talking about. This is a reminder of God's good, the good that he has in store for us, the redemption of this world that he has planned for us. Church, we serve an amazing, a loving, and a wonderful God. And on a day like the 4th of July, when we celebrate our independence, when we celebrate our freedoms with bottle rockets, fireworks, and all things of the like, I wanna remember God. I want to remember Jesus' sacrifice. I want to remember that God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So let's remember that and honor that by taking communion. Please pray with me real quick, church. Father, I want to thank you for our freedoms. I want to thank you for the care and the love that you give us each and every day, Lord. Lord, I want to pray that during this time of reflection that you open our eyes to the good of the world and the good that you have given us, God. Remind us of your plan to redeem all things. In your son's name, amen.